Holiday shopping is already underway. The Christmas Holidays Parade marched down Santa Cruz Avenue yesterday, even as the fantasy of lights kicked off its 19th season in Vasona Park last night. Children and adults wander about in their Santa hats. Cars sport reindeer antlers. Hot cider and eggnog delight our taste buds. And then there's that other tradition that comes along at this time of year, when preachers across the land step into their pulpits, feeling like Scrooge McDuck, and plead in plaintive tones that you stop all the busyness and step into a space of quiet expectation. For this is the season of Advent, our waiting for the birth of Jesus once more, preparing to receive him in our hearts at Christmas. Still, once again, I feel like the party pooper, the turd in the punch bowl. And then there's today's readings. Isaiah laments, we have all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a filthy cloth. The psalmist cries, you have made us the derision of our neighbors, and our enemies laugh us to scorn. Even Jesus gets in on the downer vibe. After that suffering, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will be falling from heaven. Happy holidays. <laughs> I mean, you know it's a bad Sunday when a letter from St. Paul is the most cheerful reading in the bunch. <laughs> what is going on here? Well, if you had a chance to read the latest issue of The Winged Ox, St. Luke's newsletter, you already know one reason our readings are so apocalyptic at this time of year. Prior to about the year 600, the church began its calendar year not with Advent, but with Christmas Day. So Advent actually came at the end of the church year, with a focus, understandably, on the end times, the last judgment. That's why things look so dire this morning in the readings. But as early as the 7th century, Advent was switched over to mark the beginning of the church year. This was done in part to mark Advent as a season of preparation for catechumens, those preparing to be received in baptism on the Feast of the Epiphany, January 6th. In a way, Advent paralleled the season of Lent, itself a time of preparation for baptism at the Easter Vigil. Yada, yada, yada. Now, Advent is a season to prepare us for Christmas instead and the arrival of Jesus Christ. So there's a historical reason for these ominous readings, but they also kind of work for our purposes today. We are being asked to prepare for the arrival of Jesus. But it's a double coming, a double arrival, double arrival, the coming of the Christ child at Christmas, but also the second coming of Christ at the end of time. So Advent, from the Latin adventus, or coming or arrival, works for both the end and the beginning of the church year, really. Prepare you the way of the Lord. Whether it's Christmas or apocalypse you're waiting for, let Christ ultimately be born in your hearts each and every day. Almighty God, give us grace to cast away the works of darkness and put on the armor of light that we may rise to the life immortal. 
our collect of the day, really a collect for the whole Advent season, portrays life as a battle between light and darkness. And this is true. The reason why Christianity is always so darned countercultural and perhaps a party pooper at this time of year is that God constantly urges us to re-enlist in the army of love, to put on the armor of light and combat the darkness all around us. And I got to say, trying to be a good Christian sure is exhausting. All this battle against evil stuff gets tiring. Winds are furlough. <laughs> I especially feel it in December when we are asked to insist on Advent, its mindfulness and expectation, while everyone else is celebrating Christmas as if it's already here. So don't get me wrong, I am not trying to set up a clash between the secular holidays and our religious holy days. And I'm not saying that all those children marching in yesterday's parade are dancing demons to be vanquished. Though some of their parents might think so. <laughs> I speak of the darkness you will find inside the barrel of a gun aimed at the helpless. The darkness in the ink on the margins of laws past that may ultimately break the spirit of those who struggle to make ends meet. And Jesus was never subtle about these things. Open most any page of the Gospels and you will find him railing against oppression, advocating for those in need. Like so many seasons that have gone before, these feel like end times. As Christians, we are called to readiness to keep awake, wearing our armor of light, being Christ's boots on the ground, an army of love amid the revels of indifference. Because not to be a downer for the third Sunday in a row in my sermons. Uh, but I think the most insidious form of darkness we need to watch out for these days is indifference. In ourselves and in others. Obliviousness to others' suffering and perhaps even inattentiveness to our own sorrows. December is for joy and hope. Yes. But not at the cost of concern for others. Not at the cost of our prayerful relationship with God. Advent is mindfulness. It urges us to keep the eyes of our heart focused. Not on the fantasy of lights, but on a true light, the light of Christ. The one that will see us through our personal darkness and that of the world's. Restore us, O God of hosts. Show the light of your countenance and we shall be saved. Being the turd in the punch bowl, I can't help but notice that however comforting these words are in today's psalm, they describe a future moment that has yet to arrive. We did not say together, you restored us, O God of hosts. When you showed us the light of your countenance, we were saved. No, this psalm, written by Israelites forced into exile, is a plea for help in time of trouble. It's a cry of expectation. Yet this defines our faith, too. We trust that God is there for us, however unseen. We believe God cares for us, that Jesus came down to us in love. But our faith, much of the time, is a calling out and a waiting for a response. Today's readings from Isaiah and from Mark express 
a similar longing for salvation in times of turmoil. Isaiah cries, Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down so that the mountains would quake at your presence. Words that were written around 515 B.C., a time of great instability in Jerusalem soon after the Israelites returned from exile in Babylon. And Jesus proclaims, In those days after that suffering, the sun will be darkened. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. Those who first heard Mark's words around 70 A.D. must have been excited by the promise of God's intervention from heaven. The temple in Jerusalem had just been destroyed by the Romans after a Jewish revolt, and they needed to know that God had not abandoned them. Apocalyptic writings generally appear in societies during times of great upheaval and strife. That's why they hold such a paradoxical tone of both doom and salvation, of arrival yet still waiting. Waiting. In this season of decorating homes, shopping for gifts, planning and attending parties, and gaining weight, (laughs) Advent asks us to wait, to pause. We are invited to consider another way to prepare for Christmas, to decorate our soul with silent prayer, to wrap the gift of our heart and offer it to God in faith, to attend smaller parties where only two are present, ourself and God, to listen for a response from God and to await restoration for a gift that will gain for us the weight of salvation, something better than getting your favorite book, more lasting than unwrapping that fabulous sweater you saw at Bloomingdale's, to pray for strength and courage for the battles ahead. So maybe not a happy, but a blessed Advent season to you all. Find your quiet Adorn your tree. Make your promises. Drink your hot cider. Armor yourself with light and love. Expect Christ and act as if he's already arrived in the messy manger of your heart. Amen. Amen.